celebrate New Year's. By staying at all night long. And we get sparkling cider. Some people stay up till midnight. I fell asleep a lot. What happens at midnight? The ball in New York City drops. Everybody's happy. We celebrate. It's weird when we have to um, K-I-S-S kiss. <laughs> Gross. What are your New Year's resolutions? Has sweets all the time. A basket. Change my name to the sparkly. Every week, a movie night, a game night, and a Gilligan's Island night. Have lots of time with my grandparents. I would like to try wasabi. I like to get a unicorn and bunnies. What's the thing you want to do most with your life? Want to be a salt kicker? Be the best chalice in the world. Be the best Lego builder in the world. Going to all the continents. A missionary. And when I ride a deer. Pharmaceutical rep. Because that's what my dad does. Have like cool bedroom with like cool posters and a hot tub and a wireless closet and have like a secret lab. I want to get married to Kia. It would be a pony wedding with lots of ponies and have twin girls, Maddie and Madison. Why is it not good to give up? Then you'll never achieve what you could. Even if you have some rough times, you don't give up. You keep going. Someday you will get it. Don't ever say you can't get it. If you give up, you might be missing out because one day you will get it. And it will be really awesome when you do. How can you help someone to not give up? Encouraging them. Giving them advice for stuff. Say, you're doing a good job. Um, I like to hug people and kiss them. I'll be your best friend. So come on. And since I can do it, then I'll then, then I will teach you how to do it. Why does God change us? Because He loves us. He loves us so much. He knows that we need to be changed sometimes and He wants us to have a better life. He doesn't want us to be lost. He wants us to come home to Him. How does God change us? Puts all the good things in our hearts. He changes us by giving us something to believe in. Why is it important to give someone a second chance? When you're giving someone a second chance, you're trusting them and believing in them. So that we're like not caught up on something that we've done, we can't really move on. Can't have a new beginning. What would you tell someone who didn't believe God could change them? That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And he can change you because he's Jesus. Keep praying and he will change you. You will feel it. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year, everyone. Did you like that? Oh, boy, you're so quiet this morning. Wow. I want to talk to you today about five reasons why it's important for you to acknowledge the new year. Uh, it goes by so quickly, and we, you know, we, we do the usual thing, the usual whatever your traditions are, and it comes and it goes. 
but I would submit to you that if you look at the new year that way, you're missing out on something that could really benefit you personally. Uh, and we need to, as we did with Christmas, slow things down a little bit and learn a, a few things as to why uh, we need to acknowledge what's going on today and throughout the night. Uh, I put an image on the screen that hopefully will warm you up a little bit. It's the beach. So just try and imagine, you know, use your power of imagination, use the force, and, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll feel a little bit warmer. But you see how the, how the waves kind of, that was a joke about the force, by the way, you see how the waves kind of go over 2017 and just washes it away as if it wasn't even there. And then it's going to do the same thing to 2018, and it's going to keep on doing that. Uh, but you need to slow it down. Why do you need to acknowledge the new year and why is it important uh, for your life? Number one, basic observation. May, may sound a little bit simple to you. But number one, when we acknowledge the new year, we acknowledge that time passes. Time passes. You, you can measure time. It's amazing. We use a system here in our calendar, you know, we have hours and minutes and seconds and days and months and years and, you know, we have birthdays and we have, you know, celebrations on an annual basis, holidays, whatever it is, but we, we measure time. And tonight, everyone, at least on, in this little slice of time, is going to acknowledge that time is passing. Uh, they've already started doing it in different parts of the world because, you know, their clock is set backwards a little bit. And, uh, 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 and we, we measure time. Even if we're not using our calendar, we're using whatever means we want to use, we all acknowledge and we all kind of say, ah, yes, time does pass. And it's an amazing thing, this reality of time passing. Because the rate at which time passes is the same for everybody. It doesn't matter where you were born, doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, doesn't matter how much money you have or how little money you have, uh, it doesn't matter what your personal circumstance is, doesn't matter what your social status is, it, it is completely irrelevant, time passes. Wherever you are in the, in the world, wherever you are in the cosmos, time passes. And we all pause on this day, at least those of us who use the calendar that we use, and we say, ah yes, time passes. It doesn't matter, it's irrespective of people. Uh, you, can't, you can't stop it from passing. You, you, you can't slow it down. Um, you can't reverse it. How many of you would like to reverse time? Yeah, a lot of people. Because we have things that we'd like to You'd like to do them over, right? You say, oh, that was a really big mistake, or I have a big regret about that. I would love to do that. Do you know how many movies and television series and all that has been made about time travel? And we all, we all gravitate to this. Let, let, let me show you one, one of the most famous, famous scenes in, in movie history about time travel. Oh, 
store, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. Marty, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you're stuck here. Oh, oh, God, stuck here. I can't, I can't be stuck here. I got a wife in 1985. I got a girl. Is she pretty? Oh, she's beautiful. She's crazy about me. Look at this. Look what she wrote here, Doc. I mean, that says it all. Doc, my only hope. Marty, I'm sorry. But the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. Unfortunately, you never know when or where it's ever going to strike. We do now. This is it. This is the answer. It says here... That a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower at precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night! If we could somehow harness this lightning, channel it into the flux capacitor, it just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future! See anybody or talk to anybody. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Do you understand? Yeah, sure. Hey. Marty, you interact with anybody else today besides me? I'm. Yeah, well, I might have sort of bumped into my parents. Great Scott. Let me see that photograph again of your brother. From the old 1985 movie Back to the Future. Any of you remember this? Yeah, erased from existence, right? Because he, he's playing around with the past and it could affect the future. We would love to be able to do this, but unfortunately, we can't. It did. Time passes. You can't slow it down. You can't stop it. You can't reverse it. Once it passes, it passes. And uh, we, we, we're searching for some type of way to say, okay, what can we do with the time that we have? And 2017 was, wow, this is a year of a lot of, lot of searching around, a lot of questions. There are things that have happened in this world in the year 2017 that are, seem to be unparalleled. Uh, people sort of shake their heads and say, wow, did that really happen? I'm going to show you one more video. This is Google's top hits of 2017, what people searched for on the search engine Google. You go ahead with that one.
search on Google says, and time passes, and we all we all sort of bow down and say, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Another year has come and gone. Uh, observation number two, uh, again, pretty obvious. Uh, God, when you start thinking about Him, He exists in time and out of time at the same time. I'll say it again. He, he exists in time and out of time at the same time. So the Bible teaches about a God who is both imminent and transcendent. By imminent, it means He's here. By transcendent, it means He's beyond here. And He's here and beyond here at the same time, all the time. And so He, in fact, created this thing that we call time that passes. Now, just, just again, to use a, this is a bit of a philosophical argument with you. If time passes, and we can acknowledge that time passes, then time must have had a beginning. Because if it had no beginning, we'd never be able to measure it. We'd be stuck in eternity. But the fact that we can say, ah, yes, Time passes. Doesn't matter what calendar we want to use. We can use the sun if we want to. It passes. That means it must have had a start somewhere. It must have began at some point in time. And when you when you go back and you start thinking about it, you realize that hey, there's a there's a cause to time itself. There, and there must be some sort of uncaused cause that caused time. And the Bible teaches that this cause is none other than God, and that He is the author of time, He's the creator of time. First verse in the Bible, in the beginning. In other words, there was a beginning. God created in the beginning. He created matter, He created space, He created time. He's in time, and He's out of time at the same time. And we have to wrap our heads around that. But it's, it should be an encouragement to you because He is the author of time itself. And if we're, if we're looking for an answer in terms of how to run our time, we better be cognizant of the fact that there is a God and He's inside and outside of time at the same time. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy, his, his protege, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or about his prisoner, referring to himself. He's in prison at the time. Rather, join me, he says, in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but by, because of His own purpose and grace. Watch. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. God gave us this grace before He even created time. Wow, that, how do you wrap your head around that one? But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
God is the author of time. He is the creator of time. He gave us grace before time even began and revealed that grace to us in this time and in this age. I mean, you're, you're talking about something that, wow, this is beyond, beyond us very, very much. Uh, but it should give us a confidence and a courage that, hey, if that God is real, and if that God is as depicted in the Scripture, wow, there's someone beyond time who I can trust and who I can lean on who also comes into time. In the, in the Christmas story that we just celebrated, we have God coming into our time. The transcendent coming into the imminent. Uh, transcendency and imminency. I mean, it's, you, you wrap your head around that. God is inside and outside of time at the same time. Observation number three, reason number three. Our time and God's time are not the same time. We have our way of understanding time. We have our way of operating in time. And God's way of operating in time and using time and His management of time, if you will, is often completely different than the way that we handle and run time. Uh, Jesus, uh, in, in John chapter 7, in the, the, the Gospel story, you see He's having an interaction with some of His brothers. And His brothers are kind of antagonistic toward Him. And there's a, a feast, a Jewish feast, that he has to go to the temple and make an appearance there. It's the Feast of Tabernacles from the Old Testament. And uh, there's an interaction here that I'll read to you. Uh, Jesus went around in Galilee, and he did not want to go about in Judea. That's where the Jerusalem is. Uh, because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, uh, Leave Galilee, you ought to go to Judea, so that your disciples, your followers, will see all the works that you do. And, uh, you know, no one wants to become, who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Uh, since you're doing all these things, show yourself to the world. And it says in verse 5, For even his own brothers didn't believe in him. They're, they're making an antagonistic statement there. They're saying, listen, you, you, you think you're this, this Messiah, you're going to be this political leader. It's a good political move for you to go to Jerusalem and make an appearance. Do your thing there, you're going to get more followers. After all, no one who wants to become a public figure hides in secret. This is where you should go, uh, Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says to them in verse 6, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. And we're often like that. The way that we run time and the way that we understand time, it's like, well, any time, I guess, is a good time. Uh, but in God's economy, it doesn't really work like that. God has uh, times for things. And he doesn't, as it were, fly by the seat of his pants. <laughs> we sometimes do that, but God does not do that. His time is not our time, and that's because God has, observation number four, what he calls in the Bible, appointed times. So times that he 
He arranges, that He, he puts the pieces together. He doves, dovetails the things together. And He has appointed times. A passage from the Old, uh, the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. We covered him uh, a number of months ago. We were doing a series on the prophets. And he's the complaining prophet, if you remember. And he complains to God and he says, why are you raising up these Babylonians to to accomplish your will? And uh, his answer to this prophet, he says this to him, uh, the revelation awaits an appointed time. An appointed time. And it speaks of the end and it will not prove false. In other words, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm using this group of people. There's something coming. There's something coming that's bigger than you understand. It speaks of the end. It will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. And it certainly will come and will not delay, Mr. Prophet. And here's the, here's the big revelation. See, the enemy is puffed up. Speaking of the Babylonians, his desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faith. And that's God's answer. And we learn from reading about this passage of Scripture, because a number of writers in the Bible quote it, What he's doing when he says the righteous person will live by his faith is he's speaking of the time that we now live in and the time where we can live by faith through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and through a relationship with Him. The righteous will live by faith. You see Paul quote this in Romans. You see him quote it in Galatians. You see the writer of Hebrews quotes it. And it's this magnificent little piece of Scripture that in the minds of those people portrayed the time that we now live in. Where we can have access to God through faith in God's Son. And we can have a relationship with Him and therefore live by faith and be righteous in living by faith. Uh, the, re- the revelation awaits an appointed time. God has these appointed times. He doesn't fly by the seat of His pants, if you'll let me use that expression. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verses 6 to 8, the disciples are talking to Jesus this is after He had risen from the dead, and they say, wow, now you're going to put on you know, your Superman uh, uh, costume, and now you're going to conquer the Romans, and you're the Messiah, and you're going to bring us freedom, and you're going to give us liberty. And they say to Him, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? To Israel. And Jesus gives them a really strange answer. He says, It is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So He's saying to them, You don't understand God's time. You want this thing to happen now. It's not going to happen now. You need to stop trying to decipher when it's going to happen. And you need to focus on me and on the power that I will give you to do your job on planet Earth. Because those things are set and those things are appointed by the Father Himself. And this is this, wow, God has these appointed times for things. We know the the passage of Scripture from uh, what Peter said. 
one of the followers of Jesus, again, talking about this whole thing of Jesus returning one day and making everything right and taking away sin and death and evil and all of these things and finally making the world the way that the world should be. And the people in, in Peter's view are saying, well, when's this going to happen? Everything seems the same. Nothing is changing. When is this coming of Jesus that you all talk about? When is this really going to happen? And there's a skepticism in the air that Peter addresses. And he says, do not forget this one thing. Uh, With the Lord, uh, uh, a day is like a thousand years. Have you heard this before? A day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. No, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's not slow. And some people, they look at this passage, you know, a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. You say, ah, I've got God figured out. And they say, well, you know, if a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day... And you know, you read the Bible and you see all these numbers and you see that oh, there's weeks in a, you know, seven days are in a week and people say, ah, 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 when it comes to seven days or 7,000 years, then, you know, God is going to come back and He's going to make everything right. After 7,000 years after creation, whenever that was, that's when it's all going to happen. I've got God figured out. Because a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day, God figured out. Can I just tell you that passage it means the total opposite of that logic. The total opposite. What he's trying to say is, to God, a very, very short time, like a day, is like a millennium. It's so, so long for God. Just one little day. But at the same time, a really, really long period of time, like a millennium, is like a really, really short time to God. So what he's saying is, You don't understand God's time. You don't understand God's appointed time. You don't understand that He reckons and operates and uses time in a very, very different way. I have never met anyone who has told me, not one single person who has told me, God works too fast in my life. I've never met anyone who said that. I meet a lot of people and have met a lot of people say, how come it takes God so long to do something in my life? How come I've been praying for a dot, 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 fill in the blank forever and a day? And it seems like it takes God so long. He's so slow. Why is He so slow? How come He can't speed up once in a while? Is He getting older? Is He getting tired? You know, are his bones getting, is he rusting out? Like, does he even exist? But I've never heard anyone say, God just works too fast in my life. I just can't keep up with God. (laughs) So this is what he's saying to the people. He's saying, you you don't get it. Your understanding of time is in a a little tiny little box. And you need to understand how patient God is with you. For him, a small amount of time is like forever. And forever is like a small amount of time. You're never going to be able to figure Him out in that sense. God has appointed times for things. And this is what scares us about time. Uh, Time has a really close relative. And uh, that relative we don't like to think about at all. Uh, And time's really close relative is death itself. 
Um, you, you know, death is an interesting thing because it affects everyone. Every single person in the room is affected by it. Every single person in this room, 100% of the time, death is successful to everyone. No, again, no matter where they come from, no matter what their the color of their skin, no matter how much money, no matter their social economics, that doesn't matter. Death is going to come to everyone. And when we acknowledge the passing of time, we acknowledge that somewhere down the road, my time will be up. And so the question is, well, what do we do about this? Because it seems to be uh, uh, something that's impossible to change. Uh, well, you've got to get you've got to get your picture straight and get God in your in your understanding and understand all these things that we've learned about God. Uh, but God tells us uh, in the Bible, and this is the fifth reason why the acknowledgement of the passing of the year is important for you. God tells us to make the most of every opportunity. So it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, just a very quick little snippet there, uh, making the most of every opportunity, and he gives a reason, because the days are evil. Wow, that's very strong. When you inspect the language that's used there, uh, you see a couple of interesting words in, in Greek that it was written in uh, to, to redeem the time. Some of the older versions of the Bible in English will word it that way. Redeem the time. The word is uh, exagerazo. So this is, a, this is a commercial word in that language. It's a word that's used in banking and commerce. It means to, to buy back. So this is why some translations use redeem the time. And the word for time there is this word kairos. Uh, there's two words in the language of the New Testament for time in general that are used. One is chronos, which is like chronology. Uh, so you say, um, you know, at what time will we have supper? You would use the word chronos there. Uh, but for an appointed time, you would use the word kairos. So not just the simple passing of time, but the specific appointment time. So you'd say, uh, what time is supper? Kronos. But you would say, is it supper time? That's kairos time. That's an appointed time. That's a set time. That's something a little different than the passing of time. And the words here are, you need to exaggerazo. We get the word exaggerate from this, obviously. The kairos. So God gives us these moments. God gives us these times where He dovetails things together and it seems like, wow, all these things are put together seemingly for this time, this moment that I have. And He says, you need to take that time that you've been given by God and you need to make the most of that time. You need to exaggerazo that time. And he gives the reason why. He says, because the days are evil. In other words, if you don't make the most of your time, you're going to see that this world around you, this culture around you, is not going to do it for you. It's, it's a culture and a world that's largely, in Paul's words, evil. There's a lot of stuff that's happening that's going to steal your time, rip off your time, and the days, he says, are evil days. I mean, look around at the, at the world that we see, whether we're celebrating Christmas or New Year's, it doesn't matter, the bad news continues. <laughs> and what Paul said 2,000 years ago is just as true today. 
And so we need to make the most of those opportunities, those moments that God gives us when we see those moments. Um, those of you who, who've been here the last month or so, I call, I call December the December to remember uh, in the life of this church this month. I mean, we had people on the 9th of December, uh, like 20% of the attendance, uh, 17 people, 18 people, after the service was over here, uh, drove over to the food bank in, in Brossard and served for three, four hours some 600 people. Amazing! I mean, why would you do that? What's wrong with you? Why don't you go home? Why, why would you go and why would you serve other people? And why would you try and be a blessing to people, in many cases people less fortunate than you? Why would you do that? That's an example of exaggerazo the chronos, or the kairos, I should say. That's an example of taking, uh, I've got a moment here and I need to redeem that moment. I need to use that moment for all that God wants me to use it for. And then a couple of weeks later, which was last week, I mean, we had, uh, it was about 200 people. We gave out 120 plus toys to kids. Uh, and most of the people who came to the event last week were people who don't go to church. Um, as I said to the people last week, like we like people who don't like church in this church. So if you don't like church, if you, if, if, you know, you had a bad experience, as I often say, if you're unchurched or de-churched or post-churched or anti-churched, then this is your church. So please, we, we like it when people feel at home here who really, they say, you know what, I don't like church. Oh, that's good. I don't like it either. Okay. Uh, but so we try and design an environment that you say, okay, that I can get. That I can get. But the other stuff, oh, I tried that before. Uh, and it's great to see so many people here. And there are a lot of kids here today. Can you raise your hand if you're a kid? Can you raise your hand if you're a kid at heart? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how this will work. Is my wife in the room? So, do you think these kids want toys? Do you think we should give them toys? We have toys from last week. How many kids you you like toys? Okay, you won't get any. No, seriously, how many of you kids you like toys? You have to raise your hand. All right, so so I'm going to cause an uproar here. Do you mind if I do this? Uh oh, you're not saying anything? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cause an uproar here. If you were not here last week, and for the kids, and this is your first time that you've ever been here, for and again, I'm trusting your honesty. Parents, you better be honest as well, okay? If you weren't here last week, you didn't get any toys last week, we're gonna have some of those for you at the end of the service, okay? Does that sound like a plan? Now you all want the service to end. <laughs> T uh, time passes. You make the most of every opportunity. And there were people in this church who baked their brains out. They baked so many cookies. I mean, there was like 500 home-baked cookies. We had a lady in the church who got up early in the morning after baking hundreds of cookies the day before. She got up on December 24th in the morning and made another 100 cookies. Just so we'd have enough cookies. I mean, we had so many cookies... It was like a Bible miracle, the amount of cookies that we had. We had to hand the cookies out to the staff of the, of the movie theater and keep doling out the cookies to people because there were so many cookies. 
But guess what? There's no more cookies. If that's called redeeming the time. I mean, who would do that on Christmas Eve? Stay home. Uh, you know, stay in front of the heat or something. But why would you come out early in the morning? We had volunteers here from 6.30 in the morning to serve people. That's what you call exaggerazo the kairos moment. And this is what God is calling us to do. Can I tell you that there are two opponents to this that I've observed, at least two. I'm sure that there's more. Uh, One of them is fear, and the other one is laziness. I have discovered, and you 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 can correct me if I'm wrong, but I have discovered that Christian folk, people who go to church and, you know, praise the Lord and all of that, Christian folk are just as lazy as anybody else. And they're just as afraid as anybody else. I've discovered this. Maybe it's just me. Uh, but we have to wrestle against these opponents to our time of laziness and fear. You've got so many excuses to be, to be lazy and not do something that you know God wants you to do. So many things to distract you. So many things to take your time, especially in the Western culture. I mean, we have every temptation to be just flat out lazy. Uh, The Bible has a cure for this. Those of you kids in the room, you listen to this, all right? The Bible talks about a very, very small creature when it refers to laziness. You know what that creature is? It starts with an A. Anybody know? Any of the kids know? Small, small creature starts with the letter A. A, it's an ant. And the Bible says, you need to go and observe the ant, my friend. Because the ant has no boss. The ant has no encourager. The ant doesn't have someone saying, come on now, you can do it. You can pick up that food. You can move that load. You can do it. And the Bible says the ant doesn't do that. It has no one to tell it that. And the ant is is super, super strong. It can lift, I forget what it is, like a hundred times its weight or something. And the Bible says, look at this ant go. Look at how it prepares its food. Look at how it organizes its life. And the Bible says, you, you lazy person, you need to go and look at that ant. Because that ant is putting you to shame. And you are a human. And you should know better. <laughs> it's kind of what the Bible says. Go to the ant, and the word that it uses, you sluggard. That's what it says. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Right? So laziness is really, really easy. And fear is another one. I meet a lot of people, Christians, non-Christians, but Christians in particular. And they say, well, I don't know if what I'm going to do is God's will. How do I know if it's God's will? You know, I've heard it's like a broken record. Well, I'm not sure. You know, the girl, she's, a, she's okay. She's, you know, she's kind of pretty, but I don't know if she's a 10 on 10. And, you know, she, I'm not sure if I should marry her. I shouldn't marry her. And I asked the person, say, well, is the person a Christian? Yeah, yeah, she's a Christian, but she's not Halle Berry, you know. Like, I don't know if I... And I said, I remember one conversation I had with a person and I almost shook him by the shoulders. And I said, you fool, you need to marry this person. I didn't say it like that, but I wanted to say it like that. Don't you realize 
that you know with God it's it's very very simple. He has very very simple constraints, and so many times. We, we're nitpicking about things and we're afraid to make the move and do the thing even though there's nothing in the Bible that contravenes it. In fact, everything we can read in the Bible supports it and there's, there's no moral, there's no, more, no ethical problem with it and yet we're afraid of doing it or we think it's not the right time to do it and so what do we do? Nothing. I mean, even Nike says, just do it. And so often, you need, to, you need to do the thing if you're not sure, and you're saying, well, I'm not sure if it's God's will. All right, so you have nothing in the Bible that says it's wrong. There's no moral or ethical problem with it. And you're sitting there doing nothing. Don't you think if God exists, don't you think if God is God and He's in your corner, that if you do the thing and maybe you were outside of God's will, this phrase that we use, don't you think He'll nudge you back in? Don't you think He'll give you a little GPS kind of course correction? If you were a little out of step? Like, don't you think God is powerful enough to correct your minor error? It's better to do the thing and to take the risk and to step out of the boat and step on the water a little bit. And if you start falling, well, you you like Peter and you reach to Jesus and you say, you need to save me now because I'm starting to sink in the water. Don't you think God will? But so many times it's that fear that paralyzes us from exaggerazo the kairos moment. And those are the things that we have to combat against uh, if we're going to, as Google says, how do we move forward? You need to redeem that time. Uh, recognize that God, he, He's in and out of time. This time that passes all the time. You know, He's in and out of time all the time at the same time. Uh, uh, God is the author of time. God has appointed times. Can I tell you, those of you who are waiting for God to, to answer your prayer, He may make you wait a little bit more, uh, but you need, to, you need to trust Him more and realize that He knows what He's doing and kind of recover that awe that you have of God. Uh, those things are the things you need to know. So slow the, slow the clock down, and if you're up tonight at midnight when the, when the clock changes, you know, I don't think Jesus is coming back tonight at midnight. Uh, you know, He may, but I don't think He is. Uh, but you, you and I have, have work to do uh, in, until, until He does. I'd like Luciana, if she'd come and just play on the piano a little bit, and I want to have a personal moment with you, a prayer moment with you before uh, we finish the service today. This is a really, really good turnout. Like, I don't know a third of the people who are in this room. Uh, and that's, that's fantastic to see. Um, and those of you who have come in late, can you do me a favor? Can you put my phone number or the phone number of the, um, the, the, you know, the thing on the screen there, the 900? Or even that one, put it back on mine. Yeah, just do me one of two things. You can text me directly, okay? That's my personal number. I'm very accessible. Text me and just write the word guests so that I know that you were here and I'll be able to follow you up and give you a call back or 
whatever, take you out for coffee, something to acknowledge your visit. And if you want to keep up to speed with us uh, and what we're doing in the life of, a ch- of the church, just put it there and freeze it there and keep it there for the rest of the morning, okay? And uh, you can do that. Text reach the one to that number. You'll join our e-list. And that way you can keep up to date with what's going on. But I want to have a moment of prayer with you because I think there are those of you who are in this room who the moment that you need to exaggerazo is this moment. And very, very simply put, uh, as we said uh, last week, God presents us with a gift. It's not just a gift that He presents us at Christmas time. Uh, he presents us with this gift all year round. And it's, it's a gift. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't buy your way into it. You can't go to church enough times to get it. You, you can't be baptized to get it. Uh, you can't be a Sunday school teacher to get it. I mean, you can't earn it. It's a gift that God gives. And in order to appreciate this gift, in order to to experience this gift, you've got to know two things. You've got to know why God gives us this gift. And God talks about how all the problems in the world that we see, uh, the the wars, the famines, the, the violent crime, the drug abuse, the corruption in leadership, all these things that we see are a result of something deep inside of us. Uh, and, and the problem that we have is that we're at war with God. And we need to be at peace with our Creator. And we need to have a relationship with God that's restored, that's redeemed, that's bought back, like this exaggerazo word that we learned about. And when we have that peace with God uh, that He has given to us through the person of Jesus who died for us on that cross, then those problems, those wars, those famines, that poverty, that violence, all of those things start changing because we start changing from the inside out. And that's what it really means to become a Christian. It's not so much about what you do. It's about who you are and how you're changed into the image of Jesus Christ Himself. And I wonder if there are those of you today and you say, wow, I've never heard it explained in that way. But when you say that I'm at war with God, I know that that's true. I know that God is not a friend of mine. He's more of my enemy. And I really don't like God, to be honest. And I really am at war with God. But I want this gift that you speak of. I want to unwrap it. And the way that you do that is very, very simple. Just as the kids unwrap their, the gifts that they get, you've got to unwrap the gift of Jesus. And by doing that, you simply, to do that, you simply have to ask Him. And you have to personally ask Him to come into your world, uh, into your life, into your personal space. And He will begin a process where He starts to change you from the inside out. So I'm going to pray a really, really simple, simple prayer with you. Uh, And Justin, if you can find it from last week, the little prayer that we put on the screen, maybe you can change the slide if you can find it. And we're going to put that that prayer on the screen today uh, just, just to make it really, really simple for you if you can find it, okay? 
There you go. And I want you who say, this is what I need for this holiday season. I don't need stuff. Uh, I need the peace of God. I need this Jesus who you speak of. This is a very, very simple prayer that I'm going to pray with you on your behalf. And you can pray it out loud if you want to. You can pray it in your head, in your mind. You can go at home and Go, to, go home and pray it. There are people who prayed this prayer last week and they texted me and they said, I prayed. I prayed that prayer today. So I'm going to pray this with you. God, I thank you for the gift of salvation. Salvation through what Jesus Christ did for me. And I open that gift now. Forgive me. Uh, forgive me for my sin that I may have peace with you and be a friend of you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, really, really simple, simple prayer, that's the beginning of something new. You have just opened a marvelous, marvelous gift. And if you will come back next week, again, Saturday morning at 10 a.m., we're going to learn more and more about that gift. Again, I invite every single one of you to come back next week as we talk about this thing called worship. Who do we worship? Why? When? Where? Well, what in the world does that mean we're going to learn next week, okay? Boy, you have been wonderful. The kids have been really good, don't you think? Yeah, you should give the kids a hand. So I, I, I think my wife has started to arrange some things for some of the kids. Now, those of you who were here last week, and you're back again this week, you need to come and see me. I have something sweet and nice that you will really, really like that I promised you last week that I'm going to give you today. The kids who were not here last week and you're here today, we're going to have something for you as well. And as long as there's calendars there, you can avail yourself to a calendar, but they'll all run out. God bless you today. And everyone say it together with me. Happy... Happy New Year. Yeah, drive safe, stay warm, and enjoy yourselves. We have plenty of time before we have to leave. God bless you today.